You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, listen, if you haven't already and you are an accredited investor, make sure to go to wealthformula.com and sign up for Investor Club now because the action is really just starting to begin. Those of you who are already on Investor Club know what I'm talking about, but we have lots of exciting offerings coming up, some of them from me, some of them from others. But now's the time if you are an accredited investor. So go to wealthformula.com and sign up for that. Obviously, you can still go there and sign up for the newsletter as well. And you can go to Ask Buck too. So those are all the things that you can do at wealthformula.com. And I encourage you to do that. Now today, on today's show, it's going to be fantastic because I have a very, very special guest. It is Robert Helms from The Real Estate Guys. So Robert Helms and Russell Gray are obviously known for their number one uh, radio show in the world, number one real estate radio show in the world called The Real Estate Guys Radio Show, uh, which is on the radio and it's also a podcast. So you can go download that on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you use. So many of you already know them because they're very well known and they happen to be friends of mine, which I'm lucky to say. What a lot of you don't know about them is that Robert and Russ are also not only good at being guys who talk about real estate, but they're guys who are really good at real estate. In specific, they're really good at real estate development. In fact, they're currently developing the first Hilton Hotel in Belize, which will be the largest hotel on the island of Ambergris Key, which is the number one island destination in the world according to TripAdvisor. So in this episode of Wealth Formula Podcast, I'm going to discuss the pros and cons of international investing with Robert Helms. In addition, we'll talk about Belize and the Belize market, and specifically the Hilton Project, which they've been working on since 2013, but will be complete in about a year. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this show, and when we come back, we'll have Robert Helms from the Real Estate Guys radio show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, my guest needs little introduction. He is Mr. Robert Helms, one of the two hosts of the Real Estate Guys radio show, which is the number one real estate radio show in the world. I'm also lucky enough to have gotten the opportunity to know Robert and Russell Gray personally, and I can call them my friends. Listen, on this show, we often speak about the things that you want to make sure when you invest with somebody or you do business with them. And the criteria for me are that they are people that I know, like, and trust. And fortunately for me, Robert and Russ meet these criteria. So it gives me great pleasure today to welcome Mr. Robert Helms to the show. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me on Wealth Formula today. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. First of all, let's talk about, Robert, about investing in a foreign country in general. Some people might find that to be a little scary. What do you say to those people? Well, you know, I often will be in front of a group of people and ask, how many of you think it might be risky to invest outside of the country you're most familiar with? And there's a certain number of hands that go up. Yeah, that'd be risky. And then I ask the follow-up question, which is, now who thinks it's risky to have all of their investment capital tied to one nation's economy and currency? And a different set of hands go up, sometimes the same people. So the reality is, it's not about risk. 
it's about perceived risk. If you find it too risky for your own investment philosophy to invest outside of your borders, then it probably is too risky for you. For us, we were really looking for diversification. You know, my story is I'm a passive collector of real estate and have been for a long time. I got in development about 10 years ago. It's just another way to create wealth and equity and cash flow. But the development business is very different from the buy and hold real estate business. And as you look around, it's always market driven, the importance of the market first. So we study real estate markets. And as we got looking in 2004, when Las Vegas, Nevada hit 52.6% appreciation in one year, the writing was on the wall. We knew that we better diversify a little more. So we went to Mexico, bought some property in Mexico, did well with that, developed a couple of properties there. Mexico is a great place to visit. I found that doing business there can be a little onerous. And so we really set out on a quest to find another market or two that would work well for us. So that's just our story. And I think each investor has to decide. And what I love about your show is it's not just about real estate, right? It's about if we're going to, if we're going to accumulate wealth through whatever means, through our investments, through what we do for a living. And then we want to deploy that. We want to have enough involvement that we understand. And so if you're thinking about, it's a big, big world. If you're thinking about investing outside of your home country, then you just have to get a little more educated, find out what's the basis of law. In real estate, we're worried about property law. I mean, the basic property rights in a country are going to determine whether or not we can truly own real estate. There are things like that. How is the practice, you know, maintained? Is there a licensing requirement? What about, you know, escrow and title and the things that we're used to? What's the equivalent of that in other countries? So it's just a learning curve. It's nothing to get scared about. It's just something that can open you up to a much bigger world of possibility. Yeah, there's some things too, Robert, that I think that are important when we look at the economy right now. For example, you know, you have the strong dollar. You know, you have a dollar that's probably, that's gotten down in a few ticks, but it's still very, very strong historically. And when you look at that, there's also an opportunity to capitalize on that, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And, and we definitely pay attention to the strength of any currency. Now, when we see the dollar strong, that usually means it's strong against other currencies. It's not necessarily strong as a currency. The 100-year trend of the dollar is pretty clear. One of the things we love about real asset investing, investing in something like a tangible asset like real estate, is that it helps preserve and hedge against often declining currency, whatever that currency is. But you're right. When the dollar is strong against other currencies, that can give us a leg up. And it's also one of the ways that we must consider our investments when we look offshore. Is it a hard currency? How readily are the dollars exchanged? Let's take example you know, of a, of a country that trades in a different currency. We're always going to be concerned about the exchange rate. If I buy in Australia, well, sometimes the Australian dollar is strong against the U.S. dollar. Sometimes it's weak. That's going to affect not just my purchase, but my cash flows and those kinds of things. But in a lot of countries, the real estate transactions, including the income, are often denominated in U.S. dollars, in which case we haven't really lost any purchase or income ability in those places. So it's one of those questions you have to know to ask. Right. And in the U.S. in particular, another reason you might be looking off 
sure here is because, you know, we've talked on this show a number of times that, you know, it does appear that there are some asset bubbles right now that they're, you know, the value of property might be a little high. The cap rates might be compressed a little bit. Let's talk a little bit specifically about Belize. And this is a market that obviously you've been interested in for a while. What do you like about Belize? Well, we went to Belize first time about a dozen years ago, and it's an interesting country for a lot of reasons. The things that attracted us to Belize are the fact that it is British colonial law, and that means that we have full property rights. Anybody from the U.S. or another country can buy real estate fee simple. You own the property. You don't own a bank trust or you don't own a vehicle where you have to have partners. You own the land, so we love that. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like living in a Corona commercial. It's white (laughs) sand and palm trees. Love that part of it. But the basis of law is strong. Not only that, it's close. It's close in terms of time zone and in proximity. So we look at who is the market. If it's there's a couple of markets, that's the traveler, the person that's going to go visit. And then there's the person that's looking for a second home or maybe to retire there. And they have different needs. If I was looking to retire in another country, I'd want to make sure that it was close enough to my home time zone that I could call my family to have it be the same time of day approximately, that I could get there in case of an emergency pretty quickly, that there's regular airlift, meaning that there's scheduled flights from major carriers every day, right? Those are the things you look at. Mm-hmm. And then from the government perspective, it's, it's very simple in terms of the politics there, in terms of the stability of the government and the government officials. They're easy to deal with. They're pro-development. They want to be smart about it, but they really encourage folks to come and to create jobs. I can't go to Belize and bartend. I can't take a job from a Belizean, but I can certainly go and open a bar and hire Belizeans and I could bartend in my own bar. So it's just a different way of looking at things. It all all depends on what part you sit in and, and what angle of the investment you're interested in. There's, you know, active investments and there's passive investments. And it's a pretty good platform, which is what we've seen so far in the country and what's coming down the pike. To your point, what some of the other things that I think that make Belize nice is English is the national language, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to go down there and speak another language. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, literally, and, uh, you know, I, I travel a lot, but I don't speak any other language. And so for me, I feel right at home there. I can read all the signs. I can read the menus. All the contracts are in English. As I've told you, we've done some work in Mexico. And in Mexico, typically the agreements are done with two columns. There's the Spanish language and there's the English translation. And I always read the English translation because that's the language I know. But in reality, if there were ever to be an issue the Spanish language would always control the contract. So I'm relying on a translator that I probably don't know, and who knows how accurately it was translated. So love the fact that it's English speaking, even though you'll find all kinds of different languages spoken in Belize. One of my favorite things about the country is there is no one Belizean nationality. There are all kinds of folks there. You know, it's it's the borders, Guatemala and Mexico. So you definitely have that influence. But there's lots of other cultures there. There's the Garifuna culture, which is originally from Africa. We have three and a half percent of the population in Belize are Mennonites, traditional Mennonites who do a lot of the growing of the fruits and vegetables and the dairy. They do a lot lot of the land movement and the roads. So it is really an amazing place from that regard. So the actual project that you guys started, it was back in 2013. And this is a hotel development in Ambergris Key. Can you tell us about that island in particular? Why Ambergris Key? I know there's a few different islands in Belize, and obviously there's the mainland. 
we love the diversity in Belize. There's a bunch of great places in the mainland, and there's more than 250 islands. Ambergris Key is the largest island and the number one tourism market, meaning more people who visit Belize end up in Ambergris Key. And there's a lot of expats that live there and great locals and so forth. But there's more hotel rooms in that part of the country than anywhere else. And when we first went to Belize, we were looking at what the opportunity was. We liked the things that we mentioned so far, but we also wanted to see, is there good opportunity? What's the demand look like? And so there's really three different marketplaces in terms of the real estate buyer, if you will. There's tourism and San Pedro, the town in Ambergris Key, desperately needs more hotel rooms. They've had a high, high demand. It continues to grow. 2016 was the highest year ever in tourism. Big excitement about that in the community. It continues to thrive. New airlines are being announced. New flights are coming in and so forth. So the first problem we were attempting to solve was how do we create more rooms at the end? How can there be better and more variety of accommodations? But that's only one of the three. And so as we continue to look, I mean, we first came to Belize a dozen years ago, bought our first property a couple years after that, and yet only broke ground on this project, you know, in 2013, July or June of 2013. So it's quite a ways out of the gate, but we've been in the market a long time. And of course, we have other projects as well there. So this particular project that we're excited to partner with is a really neat story. It's a hotel. But it's a hotel where individuals are able to own the rooms. So you might purchase a lot that has three or four hotel rooms and share in the revenue of the hotel. Now, that's the story we've been telling for all these years. And in June of 2016, we were able to add to the story the fact that we'll be the first branded hotel on the island of Amherst Key due to our affiliation with Hilton Worldwide. So it's now a Hilton hotel that we're building. And it's amazing. You know, in most markets, the resort at Mahogany Bay Village, Curio by Hilton, will be 303 rooms when it's completed. And a 300-room hotel is not a huge hotel in most parts of the world. In Belize, it'll make us the number one hotel by room count in the entire country. It's a really beautiful project, too. And I just wanted to kind of uh, bring that to the forefront. The first time I'd heard about it before I was involved with the project, I was imagining this you know, great big box, you know, that you would think of when you think of Hilton. But you guys developed it in a really amazing style. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the history of Belize is it was formerly British Honduras. And so it was important to us that we were celebrating what Belize is great at. And the British colonial architecture of Belize is beautiful. If you go to Belize City, where many of the oldest buildings are, there's buildings there that are over 100 years old, and they're made of wood. Not only that, but Belize is a net exporter of beautiful hardwoods, and we decided rather than build out of concrete, we would celebrate what was the best about Belize, and that is the amazing wood that they have. So our homes are made primarily out of wood, and it's beautiful, beautiful wood. It's just extraordinary the way it looks, the way it feels, and and of course, we have all the great first-class amenities, but they're individual units, so they range from about 400 square feet in the resort up to about 1,200 And then we also have residences, and those start at about 1,200 square feet and go up to almost 3,000 square feet. So there's a variety of product, and we're aiming at the couple of markets, uh, really two of the three markets, the first overnight tourism, the folks coming to stay and visit, and then right behind that are the expats, expatriates, people looking to move to Belize, and folks who would look at the snowbirding, staying a couple months a year, you know, heading down over the summer, whatever it looks like for them. And, you know, wanting to own a home and not just a hotel room. 
So we've kind of looked at the product type for those two different groups of people and created around a village. So the title Mahogany Bay Village, that's the name of our project. The village is the most important part, right? It's a central meeting place. We have lots of different shops and restaurants and have a fly fishing company and a scuba diving company where you can learn to scuba. We've got all kinds of you know, farmer's market that comes in every couple of weeks. A lot of uh, really neat businesses that create this vibrant community. So even though you can't be in one of our units and be more than 75 feet from the water, it is definitely a water-based coastal community. It's still got a lot to go do, and it's a live, vibrant place to be. You know, there's big front porches. You can sit out and meet your neighbors, and there'll always be residences there, people that are living on the property, as well as people that come for, you know, a weekend or a week or a couple of weeks. It's a really remarkable place, Belize, in general. And one of the things that I remember being there the last time I was there was there's actually, a lot of people don't know this, but it's the second biggest barrier reef, isn't it? Right off Ambergris Key between there and Key Cocker. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And, you know, the, obviously the Great Barrier Reef in Australia is number one. Uh, they call this the largest living reef. It's amazing, the just the sea life that is there. And, of course, snorkeling and scuba diving is great. But also there's lots of fishing. We have five different types of fishing in Belize. So if you're a fisherman, if you've never fished before, you can come down and learn how to fly fish or spear fish. I mean, there's just a lot to do down there. And, of course, because of the legacy long before British Honduras, this is the land of the Mayans, a lot of Mayan ruins and a lot of really beautiful places to visit in the jungles and the rainforests. And we love that uh, you can be on the island and enjoy that island lifestyle. But within a 15-minute flight or a 35-minute boat ride, you can be exploring the jungles and uh, the rainforest. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to believe that a place like this still exists, you know. But there is uh, one thing that I remember, too, Robert, I didn't bring up this swimming thing, just a little anecdote was. So my wife and I went there shortly after we were married. We went to a wedding and um, my wife had never been fishing before, believe it or not. <laughs> and I said, well, let's go out fishing. So we went, we grabbed a local who actually took us out on the reef. And we were out there for an hour and got 25 snapper. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm not sure it's a good place to take someone who's never fished because That's they get right. spoiled very fast. That's right. She yeah. was like, you know, this is a lot of fun. I never thought I would have this much fun fishing. <laughs> well, it is one of the interesting things is it's not overfished. Right, because exactly. it's not a small population. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's one of the least populated places in terms of density on Earth. There's just not that many people that, that live there. In fact, you can go on the Hummingbird highway in the mainland for 30 minutes without without seeing another car sometimes yeah so it's not overpopulated the population of the entire country is still under four hundred thousand. so it's interesting people say oh you had the prime minister come out to your event well we did and he's like the president of belize but it's kind of like you know the mayor of anaheim california it's not a big big country and at the same time I think there is big opportunity there. We're obviously big fans of it, but you know, anyone is considering investing offshore. I got to say, you got to go spend time there. You got to yeah. look and, and get the feel of it. And it's got to ring true. You've got to be able to see it. It doesn't mean it has to be a place that you necessarily want to go on vacation all the time, but certainly you have to understand the market, see what all the hubbub is, is about. And, and you know, our income as real estate investors is based on whatever the durability of that cash stream is. So when I look at any market, I'm always asking myself, what is the long-term viability of the income stream? I might find a building that has a great tenant, but if my entire investment is based on that one tenant and their financials and that guy moves out and it's such a unique building, it's hard to find somebody else. 
then I'm going to question an investment. I always want to know that there's somebody behind the person who's in my unit standing in line to rent it when they leave. You know, this is a very interesting investment because on the one hand, you look at it and it's, you know, it's a development, it's international. And then you throw in this whole, you know, relationship with the Hilton that certainly creates a level of, you know, at least perceived stabilization. I'd say more than perceived, but in reality, I mean, once you have that major brand behind you, it creates sort of a different level of risk, theoretically, at least in my view. Tell us about, you know, what kinds of people typically invest in something like this? What types of people, when they look at their own personal investment philosophy, who are the people that this resonates with? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's interesting because what we don't have in Belize, for all the wonderful things we do, what we don't have is great financing. It's hard to find a loan on a property in Belize. There are a couple of local banks that will make loans, or they claim to, and their parameters are 60% loan to value and interest rates of 105 to 12%. Some of the banks, at least one that I know of, is a 50% loan to value, and their interest is 12 or 12 and a half. So, you know, we love leverage, but that's not the best leverage there is. And so, so far, the folks that have purchased, and not only in our project, but in other projects in the marketplace, are generally buying for all cash. That's what's available. Occasionally, a developer might be able to finance a portion of it, but for most of the folks, it's all cash. We specifically set out to develop this project with the investor in mind. My partners are investors. I'm an investor. The whole idea was to set this up. And rather than us just go to a hedge fund and get $50 million to do the thing, which we could have easily done, instead we said, what if we created an opportunity for folks who wanted to be landlords from the point of view of cash flow, but didn't want to have to deal with the management of it, and especially hotel management, very different from residential management, a lot to know about. We weren't convinced that Ambergris Key really needed a big brand. They'd done pretty well, the number one island in the world two years in a row, according to TripAdvisor, without a brand. But we were convinced after a little shopping and and being courted by uh, the Hilton Worldwide Corporation, they came after us. We had talked to a couple of hotel brands early on and kind of thought, well, yeah, you're going to pay something for a brand and you're going to get something back, but it's probably going to be about a wash. Well, we've learned some amazing things from Hilton. First of all, there's nobody better in the business. They're just great at filling the rooms. And the important metric in hotel investment is something called RevPAR, revenue per available unit, per available room, and unit thinking a door. And what you're looking for is the ability to bring in profitable business. Like in any real estate, you want not just a tenant, but the right tenant. And because of the 52 million members in Hilton Honors, and because they've got a great web presence, and because we earn our points for business travel and spend our points on vacation travel, it just made a lot of sense. But I'll tell you, I hit on something too, Buck, that was spot on. When we first showed this potential development with our plans and our drawings and not much more to folks, there was a very, very different level of risk than there is now that the Hilton is involved. And so it was a 13-month process. We had to negotiate a lot, but they had to vet us. The Hilton Corporation had to fully vet the project, the partners, the work, the units, all of that. And it was a process. But I think the the strength of the brand is great, but the fact that we had to go through the microscope, if you will, is also just another vote of confidence. And we've got a couple of other new relationships that are as exciting, if not more. And so it's really starting to take a life of its own. And I would say that the typical investor is someone who wants to be able to partner, if you will, with a company that's got 
you know, brand recognition and has a, a robust uh, reservations engine and all that, but doesn't want to have to do the work. It's a very hands-off investment. You know, busy folks who want to be part of something and understand an emerging market, but at the same time don't want to reinvent the wheel, don't want to have to figure out how to go down and develop in a place like this and, you know, can kind of plug into something that's already up and running. One of the things that I, I want to point out too, which I also think that makes us really interesting and attractive is the fact that, you know, you said that there was no leverage and that's right. So the returns we're getting are non-leverage returns, but that has a couple of other very positive things about that. One is when there's no leverage somewhere, typically that keeps, you know, the cost of land and the cost of building at bay and it tends to make it harder to have an asset bubble. And so I think the idea for me in this project, which I really like, is that there probably will eventually be some kind of leverage available. And when that happens, it's very likely that the value of these things is going to go up significantly. Now, that's a speculative component to this, but I always like to look at, to me, you invest for you know stability and cash flow, but you also look at the potential speculative side as an added bonus. Well, absolutely. And every investor has to get in touch with kind of their inner investor, right? We talk about in our book, Personal Investment Philosophy. No two investors are the same. And some people are more geared towards cash flow and some people are more geared towards growth of equity. We certainly don't issue any forward-looking statements, but having invested in Mexico before there was financing and then to see what happened in that marketplace once financing hit the market, you're exactly right. It's just like when you go in to buy a car. It's never about the interest rate or the price of the car. It's always about that monthly payment because financing does allow those things to happen. And we look at it this way with this project. If the worst performance is no leverage at all, as soon as you add the right leverage and there is that stabilization of income, then there's a lot of potential. So we like the upside of it a lot. We like the fact that uh, the market is strong and continues to be strong. But there's also something about sleeping at night. Those of us that went through 2008 <laughs> and lost properties, That's right? right? When there's no debt, you know, and again, people say, well, yeah, I've got to pay property taxes. Yeah, the average property tax in Belize for a beautiful half a million dollar property is somewhere around $300 a year. So it's not difficult to get your property tax paid. One night's uh, rental income on most properties will pay for their entire property tax for the year. So the costs aren't the same as what you would experience in other places. But is it for everybody? Absolutely not, right? If it sounds like, oh, gosh, that's too risky for me, then you got to listen to that little voice because it probably is too risky for you. But for folks that are looking to plant another flag, as our friend Simon Black would say, put a put a flag offshore, have a foothold in another country, what Doug Casey calls a bolt hole, a place that if you had to bolt in the middle of the night, you could go <laughs> hole up in a nice place. We hope we never have to do that, but always nice to have options. And I think uh, looking at this market, it's given us a bunch of those kinds of options and it's become a really fun project and property and we're super proud of it. You know, it's interesting to be able to talk about it on a podcast because we never talk about it on our own podcast right? because, you know, our, our show is not about us. It's not about what we're doing in the marketplace. We love to introduce people to the country of Belize for the reasons that we introduce people to, you know, markets like Memphis and Atlanta and, you know, Dallas and these other great real estate markets. But it's really not about, you know, our project. At the same time, if we didn't practice what we preach, if we weren't actually real estate owners and landlords and developers and all that kind of stuff, I don't think we'd have the same position that we have. So in our real lives, you know, we develop real estate and then we love to talk about an hour a week uh, as you do. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's important. And I've said it before on the show. I think, you know, there's a lot of shows out there that where people do a lot of talking, but they don't, you know, they don't do a lot of action. And you guys are the quintessential example of a podcast that obviously is highly successful and you guys are walking the walk and have great integrity. And I appreciate that. Robert, tell us, there's a field trip coming up. I'm going to be there too. Tell us about the next one and, you know, how people can get involved. All right, so switching hats now back to the real estate guys. <laughs> we do these field trips in lots of marketplaces, and it's a few days of spending, you know, boots on the ground, checking the market out. If you come on the Belize field trip, you're not going to hear much about our project. What you're going to hear about is the market, the sustainability, the tourism numbers, what's driving it. And then we're going to go out and see every single project that's under construction in Ambergris Key. We're going to look at a lot of the existing hotel product, and we're going to see a ton. And uh, you will see our project. In fact, one of the first things we do Friday night is explain that while in many markets, I do not show people my personal property. I used to do that. We used to go to Las Vegas and we'd go to my buildings and we'd you know meet my manager and all that. But people started to do a funny thing. They would start to invest somewhere just because Russ and I invested there, which is about the worst reason to invest in something. So we started to kind of just hold back. We, we might go to one of our properties and, and teach, but we wouldn't say anything about it being our property, not to be disingenuous because we don't want people to make any action or decision based on that. Well, because of the stature of this project in this marketplace, it would be completely disingenuous if we didn't show it. So Friday night of the field trip, we explained to everybody, hey, what gives us some credibility in the market is we're actually owners of property and we're developing a project here and you're going to see it. But before you see it, you're going to have the full disclosure that, hey, we're involved with this. So on a real estate guys field trip, there's nothing for sale. You go to learn about a market. We believe that you start with who you are as an investor, your personal investment philosophy. Then you find a real estate market or markets that can deliver the kind of returns you're looking for with the kind of risk parameter and so forth. Once you've got the market figured out, then you got to find a team, the professionals in that team, property managers, brokers, agents, they're going to help. And then finally, you find the right property. The field trips are about the market to the most extent, and a little bit about the team. You'll meet some potential team members, none of whom you're required to do any business with, but you're going to come on the field trip. You're going to get a ton of information about the market. Once the trip is over, you'll have been introduced to lots of folks in the marketplace that can help if you decide the market's good for you. That's true whether we go to Atlanta or Las Vegas or Belize. The next Belize field trip is happening February 17th through the 20th, and we are excited about having you with us. Yeah, I'm excited to go there. Although, you know, it was a kind of a hard sell for my wife to tell her it was work, but uh, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm not going to have any fun at all, honey. It's uh, hardly any fun. <laughs> I would say pack your bathing suit. We're going to be working almost the entire time, which is why I always recommend folks, right. if you're interested in the market, stay an extra day or two if you can, because there's a lot to see and do. We're going to get a great sample of that on the trip. You're going to have amazing food. You're going to get to get in the water a little bit. You're going to see a ton of what's going on and feel the vibrancy and ride in a golf cart with the wind blowing in your hair and be out on the boat and that kind of stuff. But you learn a ton, you know, like most of our events, big workbook of information, and you're going to get a great feel for the marketplace. You should, at the end of the weekend, at least be able to decide, hey, this looks interesting as a market to me, or you know what? No, thanks. Not for me. And I think either way, it's worth going. If, if you all you do is eliminate it as a market to even take any of your attention, then you've done yourself a favor. And because it's a beautiful place, you're going to have a great time. We, we have a ton of fun and uh, we learn a lot on these trips. So we'd love to have folks uh, come join us. Now, if you want to sign up, folks, go to realestateguysradio.com 
And there's a section in there about, isn't there field trips or something like that? Yeah, you'll, see, a, you'll see a tab that says events, uh-huh. and under there you'll see the uh, Belize Discovery Trip. Yep. So click on that and get the information. That's where you can sign up. And hopefully I'll see a bunch of you out there. Robert, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. Hey, Buck, thanks so much for having me on the show. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Glad to see you. listenership is growing. That's right. Hey, everyone, it's Buck again. I hope you enjoyed that show. Robert and Russ are great guys, and as I said before, I know, like, and trust them. And that's why I decided to go into business with them. So many of you know this, but for those who don't, I'm syndicating part of the project in Belize for them, the Hilton that we were talking on this show. In other words, I'm sponsoring part of the deal and allowing investors like you to own part of the project as sort of a fractional ownership situation. Now, in order to be involved you have to be an accredited investor. Again, that means you make $200,000 per year minimum with a reasonable expectation that you're going to make two hundred dollars the following year. And that's $300,000 if you're filing jointly. Or you can also qualify if you have a net worth of $1 million outside your personal residence. Now, I believe in this project, and I'm actually going to invest a minimum of $100,000 of my own money into the deal. That said, the minimum investment in my syndication here is $50,000. So that's pretty typical. It's probably actually a little low for a project like this, but I want to make it available for some of you who are interested but don't want to be spending $100,000 in a single project. Now, this may not be something that you're interested in at all, and that's okay. I'll tell you that I've spoken to many of you already through Investor Club, and I can go through my head and tell you there are certain people that, you know, that's not for you. And there's others who I think it absolutely makes sense for. My goal is to present all sorts of interesting deals out there through Investor Club at WealthFormula.com and to get you into something that makes sense. And whether that's something I sponsor or not, as you know, we're presenting deals on Investor Club that I have no financial gain whatsoever. They're just deals that I think you ought to be exposed to, things that I'm interested in myself as well. But if what you heard here sounds good and you want to learn more, make sure to sign up for Investor Club. Again, you got to go to wealthformula.com and sign up if you meet the criteria that we talked about as an accredited investor. And if you do that, you will get plenty of deal flow you can sit back and just, you know, wait for the one that feels right to you or invest a little bit in everything, which is typically the approach that I have taken with my own investments. So until next time, hopefully this was helpful. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not facts. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.